if you shall listen, listening. That's how the Hebrew man emphasized seriousness. So when Jesus wants to speak, he'll say, Verily, verily, I say unto you. That is like saying, I swear by Almighty God, what I'm saying unto you is true. So when he says, hearing, hearing, what was he talking about? Some heard, he said in verse 16, but he didn't help them. Why? Because they were not hearing with a kind of seriousness. Please get my point. I said of this by trying to bring out an issue here. That if you are not ready to walk with God fully, you are not ready to receive the outpouring of faith. I've said to us before, faith is not a technique. You cannot learn the principles of faith. As per, this is how to say it, this is how to do it, this is how to talk, this is not how to talk. Don't say like this, pray like this, face this direction. Watch your mouth. Those things are manifestations when faith is in there. If you can do all of, it's possible, you can do all of those things and faith is not in the heart. Why? Faith has to be poured into your heart by God. Faith is not something you learn how to get without him. No. Faith is a manifestation of divine life. I said something last time. That listen. There is no, it is not as if unbelievers can use these principles and get, there is no faith if it is not faith in God. Every other forms of faith are counterfeit. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. So it's not a technique. God has to pour it into you. And who does he pour it into? That's the question. He said faith comes only to the hearing hearers. Faith comes only to the hearing hearers. Who are the hearing hearers? That's what James called the doers. Like I said, it's not that they are doing the word. No. It is that they are so committed to the word. Are you getting my point? The word is their life. That is what makes them do it. They are committed. That is, it's about commitment. Like I, I, I said something earlier, it's a conversion state. It's like when you say you give your life to Christ, which means that after today, it is what Jesus says that I will do. He hasn't said anything, I have not done anything. But I'm in a state of heart that says, from today, it is what Jesus says that I will do. That is the doer of the word. It is not just that he has done something. He has put himself, she has put herself in a place now that I am fully committed to this word. That was what Paul was referring to. When he said faith comes by hearing and hearing. What does it mean? It is a man, the woman that comes with a hearing ear. That's why he will say, he that has an ear. Let him do what? Let him hear. Now, everybody is hearing that to be able to decide they have an ear or they don't have an ear. What he was trying to say is that you can, the word can go out to everybody. Everybody hears it the first time. But then, there is a second level of hearing which is determined by prior commitment to whatever God we see. This one does not judge, does it make sense or does it make sense? Say no, how do I adapt myself to it? It's a heart attitude. That is a person that faith is poured into the heart. I said earlier, faith is different from knowledge. You can know the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, know all the scriptures, for example, about divine health. You know all of them, you recite them. It doesn't mean you have faith. The only thing knowledge does for the doer or the hearing hearer, are you getting my point? The double hearer. What knowledge does is that he prepares that heart to be able to receive the spirit of faith which only God pours in. 
What am I saying? You can't, God can't pour faith into your heart until he sees total commitment to that word from you. That's what I'm saying. It's an attitude. When it's a hearing and hearing, again, it's not the number of times you have heard. Because one way in school, then we used to interpret that faith comes by repeated hearing. You hear it until faith comes. No. No. Hearing and hearing, it can be one time you hear it. But, if you are committed to something, it is not likely to be once you hear it. I don't know whether you are getting my point. But you see, it is not the mechanical, let me hear it again and again. I hear it again and again because I'm what? Committed to it. Let me give you an example. Practical. Assume somebody has a high blood pressure and he goes to the clinic. The doctor, after deciding that this fellow needs to be treated, gives the fellow a particular kind of drug. And they're checking the blood pressure regularly. They're trying to attain something like 120 over 70, 80 to be happy. Assuming the man goes back to clinic one day and the blood pressure is 160 over 110. The doctor is a bit worried. So he says, have you been taking your drug now? I'm going to make this very simple, right? So if you're a doctor there, don't, don't be thinking that oh, God, something can be different from that. No, let's not go to the technicality. I want to make things very simple. Assuming the fellow's blood pressure is not getting worse, it's just normal. That is, it's just the same level. So the doctor now says, it's, today is 160 over 110. Have you been taking your drugs regularly? The man says, yes. The one I gave you last time, oh, say, oh, no, sir. Um, that one you gave me last time, you know, you told me this particular brand. They didn't have it in the pharmacy here. So when I left, I took your prescription to another pharmacy. And the pharmacist told me that he has another type, the same drug, but another company. That's the one I bought. So the doctor's antennas goes up. Pim. The same drug, another company. It's, it happens a lot, all right? It's normal, not no big deal. But let me see. Then he sees that pack and says, I don't recognize the name of this company. Please, can you go back to our own pharmacy? Tell the pharmacist there to give you the one we use here. I'm not disagreeing with your own pharmacist. Too. It's just that this company, I don't know them. Maybe the drug is not so good. I'm trying to bring out a picture here. You will see all the discussion is on that drug. Why? They have absolute faith in it. It's not crossing their mind. Maybe the drug is not working. They're like, maybe the manufacturer is not good. Then the man comes back, he starts taking his drug, and the doctor waits patiently for about four days, one week, and says, come back. And uh-huh, the control is good. I told... Now, you say, what are you talking about? If you notice something, they are committed to the drug. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to describe. All explanation is around, is this medicine good? Did you take it well? It didn't cross their mind and say, hmm... I always say that these doctors are not good. I thought that drugs don't do anything. Are you getting my point? The commitment, they start explaining, okay, if it's not working well, first question, are you taking it regularly? Sometimes the man says, eh, you know, I traveled the other day. I forgot my drugs at home. And the doctor said, next time like that, call me. I will send you to one of my friends, that place you went to. He will give you another prescription so you can get this one. Do you understand my point? The point is that whatever it is, the man keeps on examining to find out whether his drugs are being used 
the way he prescribed them. And if he's not, if he's being used and he's not getting the results, he starts questioning the source of it. But check this, both him and his patient, they are fully committed to the use of those drugs. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I hope I made a point with it. But this one I'm going to explain. But you know, a lot of times, this is how it is. People say, try this one. When you have prayed, it doesn't work. Try praise. If this one is not, are you getting my point? We keep on trying this, trying that, trying that. There is no commitment. If you find that commitment so that you say, ah, I prayed. This is what the word says. It hasn't worked. What is going on? Then we return back to the word and say, is, am I following exactly what the Lord said? One day, one of my friends says something, one brother says something, and I, you see how I interpreted it. I called him on the phone. He was sounding like this. Or he called me. Ah, oh, Pastor, I'm fine. How is everything? I said, what did they do you? I said, what is, what's going on with you there? He said, ah, that man, sir, that his nose is blocked, his throat is sore. And I said something. He said, sir, I don't confess scripture tire, all kinds of scripture. Now, I want to say something here. <laughs> when he was saying, he wasn't saying that scripture is not working. It's more, sir, I've been on treatment for the last two days. That's what he was trying to tell me. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He was trying to tell me that I have been ill. For that reason, sir, in the last two days, I have been on treatment. And what is the treatment? I have eaten scripture. Eh? I have confessed scripture. And I told him that, don't worry, you are fine. Go and sleep. You just need some rest. Drink a lot of water. Drink something hot to clear your sinuses. You will be okay. Now, why I remember that is that I remember it struck me that when he spoke to me, you know what most people will say? I don't take this medicine, but I don't know whether it's working. Which one do you want to prescribe? But it's only that, sir, I have been on drugs for the last three days. What's the drug? Scripture. I started from Genesis, running down to Revelation. I don't chop scripture. Tire. Now, he wasn't saying that of discouragement. He was trying to explain to me, this has been very intense. So I have followed it intensively with the application of scripture. How many times have you met a Christian who says, man, money has been hard. So what are you doing about it? I've gone to get this book, Divine Financial Breakthrough. I'm taking a weekend off. I need to break this thing. Bishop Odipo said something once. He said, he told him, he said, no, poverty, I have to break it. So he took a retreat with a book and a Bible. And he read it until he jumped out and said, poverty is over. Didn't make a dime. He stayed in a corner and he read the book and the Bible. Many of us think he learned a technique. Even I used to think like that. But that's not what God saw. God saw a heart that wanted to break poverty. And said, where will I break poverty? He says, from the word of God. That heart took the word to a corner and said, I will stay here until poverty is broken. Many of us now say, what did he learn there? We want to practice it. He say, and we don't get that result. For the simple reason that we did not come with the kind of hearing. Because when he came with that kind of hearing, it was the faith that God poured into his heart that broke poverty, not the method he learned. Are you getting my point? That is why a man will say, I got up and I took the scripture and I declared it. While the next four days, doors began to open. And many of us take the same scripture and begin to declare it and nothing opens. 
It's simple. The reason is because it is not the technique. It is that when Jesus spoke, they said, why did you talk and the tree died? He says, because my heart was erupting with the faith of God. Many of us speak, we don't have any faith of God in the heart. So when he speaks, the word is empty. It sounds similar to the other one we are, we are echoing. But it's empty. Why? There is no faith inside the heart. Why is there no faith inside the heart? The hearing hearer. The kind of determination. The kind of lifestyle that allows God pour that kind of faith into the heart. We don't have it. We're not committed to him. Many people come to church because God makes people rich. They will never have the faith of God for true divine abundance. They can't have it. Listen to me. Before God pours the abundance of God into your heart by faith, he has to get to a place where you don't care whether you died poor or not. That the only reason why it bothers you, in quote, bother, in quote, is that you just see that there is a promise against it. I need to activate the promise. It, has, it doesn't cross your mind that, how can all my friends be, be driving fine, sharp rides, building fine houses, traveling over the world, and I can't. Let's see how to get it. If you have that kind of heart, try. 30 years, 40 years, the faith of God for supernatural supplies will never come to you. I'm talking about hearing and hearing. A hearing hearer is the same that James called a doer. And they just know what they do. is the heart they have. It's the heart that says, if my experiences are different from the word of God, there must be something wrong with my experiences. Nothing wrong with God's word. Is the one that says, ah, if my experiences are inferior, then my experiences must be caused, must be provoked to rise up to the level of God. So, what do I do? I sit down and say, experience, confirm thee to the word of God. That is, the word of God is my standard. It's my life. I, I, that is, if the word of God says, die, I will gladly fall down and die. And I will die with a smile on my face. Why? That's what the word says. That is what they call it hearing here. Listen, God does not pour faith into the heart of those who come to use the word to meet their own needs. Please, I hope you are getting my point. What I'm going to explain all of this is, so when it says faith comes by hearing and hearing, what was it saying? It is to the person who comes and says, ha, this word, you are my life. Faith is poured into that person's heart. Now, another point I should make about it. Still looking at hearing and hearing. Now, if a man, if a woman says, this word is my life, what would the person's attitude be to that word in practice? It will be clear. It will be clear. It will be clear. There's something that happened to me, you know, when I first came to Enugu. I just married that, okay, I married shortly before I came to Enugu. And I'm an university lecturer, so I was teaching. I didn't even know I was doing it. So when the gist went around that Dr. Lishan is always talking about his wife, that was when I realized I was doing it. A student of mine saw me years later. This was maybe like nothing less than eight years after he was in my class. Saw me on the road one day. Good afternoon, sir. He greeted me very well. So, how are you doing? Where are you now? Okay, just came around for this, for that, for that. So before we parted, he said, how is your wife? I said, she's fine. He said, do you still love her that much? I said, I do. He said, very good, sir. Very good, sir. <laughs> now, I'm going somewhere. It was not deliberate. I just married that time. It was the year after I came. I had only two things. To, there was no Kingdom World Ministries. I didn't know you. <laughs> it was just me and my wife. 
I didn't used to go any other place. So we spent all the time together. When she comes from work, she was working then in UBA. You know, we stay at home together in the morning. I drop out, work, go, we share everything together. When I started writing tracks, we did everything together. The first 10,000 tracks, only two of us folded it. This one that co-workers gathered to fold. Only two of us folded 10,000 tracks. Are you getting my point? So it was natural. Anytime I spoke, her name dropped. Anytime I talked, her name dropped. You are getting my point? If I had to go somewhere, I wanted her to come. It was just a natural thing. I wasn't trying to put anything on. One day my wife said she went to one place and somebody said something. Another person heard that, overheard that uh, that's uh, Dr. Lucian's wife. And the fellow started running. Let me come and see. <laughs> you know why? Just that, say, uh, look, that he has spoken so much about her. Good, let's come, just come and see. It, it was not a put on. Are you getting my point? Just natural. I mean, like when I preach a lot, I quote, there are people I quote, you understand? I don't need to tell you, I listen to them a lot. I don't need to tell you. I'm going somewhere. If the word is your life, if you are committed, if you are the hearing hearer, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It reflects in how you talk, in where you go. And what you fill your environment with. You are getting my point. If you know this word is my life. Every opportunity. Every new technology as an example. Every new door that God gives. You are checking. How will this help me imbibe more of life? The moment they say phones can take memory card. You know sometimes. When I, maybe I'm shopping, maybe online, or you read the news, and I'm, I'm amazed at how much money they make from games, video games, computer games, you know, and uh, what they call it, phone games. The man that made one, one game called Flappy Bird said the boy was making $50,000 a day, making one ridiculously simple game from adverts, you know, revenue. Now, I'm going somewhere. Do you know I'm very poor with games? First, movies, I don't watch many movies. Games on my device, it's a rarity. Some of them come pre-installed, and then sometimes when you have a new phone, you're just packing different things inside. I hardly pay games on the phone. It's not as if it's wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm going somewhere. However, when I found out that my phone could take 32 gig memory card, I collected a 32 gig memory card, Packed. Kenneth Higgins, David Pawson, David everybody and push them inside there. I have some very fancy Bluetooth devices. Very fancy. You know why I don't use them? I can't use them to listen to messages. So I abandon them to use a normal old cable. So that if I'm sitting in my car a lot of times, I plug. Why? I want to hear something. I don't know whether you get my point. I rejoice at thy word. Like him that finds grace treasure. It is not the mechanical listening that brings faith. No. It is the determined heart that wants to interact with that word. So the listening is a consequence of desire. It's not as if I need to listen to this message ten times. And then faith will come. 
No. If you are counting it, faith is never going to come. It is more of, this is where faith is. This is the source of my life. This is where my future is determined. This is where my destiny is revealed. This is from where I am empowered to fulfill that destiny. This is where my healing for all my sicknesses, this is where they are. Where, this is where it is. For that reason, I am listening until I discover the manifestation of that which is promised. So somebody would now say, I listened to that message 50 times and then I got a result. But I would now start counting. How many have you done? 45, it remains small. We'll soon get our result. You don't realize that that fellow who said I listened 50 times was willing to do 1,000. He's not planning to stop. Long ago, I asked myself a question. How can God... I was just worried about... Not worried, the concern, let me use, I don't know if you were worried. I was, like, I was thinking about how is it that a man like Abraham will wait for Isaac for 25 years. How did he manage to wait for 25 years? You know the answer the Holy Spirit helped me to get? He was not waiting for 25 years. He wasn't. He was waiting a day at a time. And during that day, he was busy with God. If Isaac had taken 40 years, that's Isaac's problem. I don't know whether I get the point. It was not the counting of one day after the other. It was the, call, the commandment was not, come, come with me and we shall get Isaac. It is walk with me and be what? Perfect. So each day is an assignment in perfection. I don't know whether you are getting the point. That's why I tell people, in life, you want to, maybe like, I'm a preacher now. What is your ministry going to be like? I don't know. But when I start, I do one thing. I choose something I can do for the rest of my life and not get tired. I'm not doing what I'm doing to mark time. If I need to continue to do this till I'm 90, at the age of 90, wherever this will be that time, I will still come again on a Saturday. And I will say, open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I will say, God, I've done this thing for 60 years now. What are you still waiting for? I will say, no. Just be doing, that is your job. I don't know what my point is. The Bible calls patience. The Bible calls it patience. So it's not as if I'm listening to the word until I've listened 50 times. No, it's my life. Let me ask you a simple question, please. Be practical. God will bless you if you are honest with me. Chris, how many loaves of bread have you eaten in your life? Ah, Chris, adults, you can't count. You need to go to school where they taught you how to count. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Why can't you count the number of loaves of bread you have eaten? You eat bread anytime there's bread to eat. Anytime there's hunger. And you say, okay, how do I supply, you know, you know, submit, subdue this hunger? It's bread. You go and eat the bread. If one day are now revealed to you, the Son of God, you have consumed 15,735 <laughs> loaves of bread. You're going to be like, what? How did I manage that? It's simple. You were eating it regularly. Why do you eat it regularly? It's a source of energy. You love the taste. If I ask you how many, how many, um, um, Fish, have you eaten in your life? If one day they reveal to you that only you have done 10,000 fish. No, you are going to look like only me. When did I, do, when did I see you and I ate the... <laughs> you, you get the logic? Why? You are not counting. It's food. It's a source of life. You are not counting. As far as you are concerned, this is, how, this is life. You are not counting. That's the same thing with the word of God. So if I say... 
Strength comes by eating and eating and eating and eating. It is not as if you let's start eating more. Eat more, eat more. No. It's just that that is where strength comes from. So what do we do? We are eaters. Even if we are fasting, we are what? Eaters. Even if we are broke, we are what? Eaters. Even if there is no food, we are what? Eaters. We are committed to eating. (laughs) You get the logic here? My God. If we will be that committed to the word, what God does is recognize that and pour faith into our hearts. You know why he doesn't regularly? The truth is that people are not that committed. People follow Jesus and you saw them go to church. Crusade, they are there. The soil went forth to sow. Some fell by the wayside. 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 They were there hearing Jesus. Man, this Jesus is the very man. Without Jesus, no other person. We know what Jesus was saying. See all this following? They are following me because of the food that they get when I minister. Many people are following God because of the promised the promised result. Many people are giving because somebody promised God will multiply it. I'm saying to you today, if you are like that, you can never have a heart full of the faith of God. They came to Jesus. You are going to be our king. Jesus looked at them. said, these ones are looking for who to kill. They don't love the word of God. They want this. Okay, you want it? They said, yes. You want it? Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. They said, ah. This joke, don't they, don't they cross one side? You are getting my point. They were not committed to the word. Those who were committed to the word, Jesus said that you are not going. They said, to whom shall we go? What's the next statement? You have the word of eternal life. They were not following for what they will eat. They were following because they had the word of eternal life. And that's what I'm preaching today. If you follow simply because this is the word of eternal life, I say to you, you will find faith in your heart every time you want it. It's not methods. Faith is basically a gift of God. Faith is something that flows into you if your heart is rightly related with him. Let's begin to round up. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I said something earlier, let me just introduce that again and say a few things. I want to say something by Elisha and Elijah. And then maybe I'll close with that. I said something earlier that that diligence is what is often lacking in believers. Diligently following something. Diligently, you know, when you see the way people, and I want to just charge you. Today's message actually, I... Initially, I, I was going to say it's one of the kind of messages I like to preach. What I had in mind, even though it didn't, of course, never fully follows the way you plan it already. You get my point. But it's one of the messages I like to preach because at the end of the day, I feel like there's a, there's a course of action that I hope to stir people up to pursue. Are you getting my point? All right? Even though I've not done it the way I planned to, but I believe the Holy Spirit is doing his thing. What I'm going to say again is that issue of diligence. I want to charge us today as believers. I said something last time, I want to just go back to it, drag it into today, and then use it to tie today's message. I said, when God wants to bless people, that's why we read this um, 
Ephesians chapter 4. He said, he gave gifts unto me. No, we read the number of scriptures at the beginning. We read um, Romans 10, 17, which is where we have been on, hearing and hearing. I've been on that, trying to explain what that means. We read another one, which is what? Ephesians chapter 4, he gave gifts unto men. And then, as an extension of that, I went back to Romans chapter 1 to try and show something here. Let me start with that Romans chapter 1 again. Paul says something here, that I wanted to come to you, but I was hindered. And what was the purpose? Let's read it. We have a Bible here. Romans chapter 1. In verse 11, it says, I long to see you, that I may impart some spiritual gifts to you, that you may be established. He now said that you will be encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, please pause and notice that. Now, look and look up. I said something last time. Please try and decode what I was saying. I was not saying that individuals cannot directly connect with God. That was not what I was saying. I was just saying that, you know, Paul said something, until we all come to the full maturity, to the stature of the fullness of Christ. What was he saying? Until we get to that point, essentially some things are difficult for us. So, he said, what did God do? The Lord just simply sent gifts down. He said, some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are pastors and teachers. And he said, what I'm doing with them is that through them, let me summarize it, I boost the faith of individuals. Now, I realized Paul was saying something. If it was just about letters, Paul would not have written in a letter that I desire to come to you, to impart a spiritual gift to you, if that spiritual gift could easily have just flowed over his letter. I don't know whether you got what I said. There was something that the presence of Paul was going to do in their lives. There was something. There was something. There was something that the presence of that man was going to do in their lives. That was what he was so eager about. You know, let me say something to you. Let us assume we are doing a seminar as an example. All right? Assume that I say, okay, let's do a seminar on, let's use money again. Financial breakthrough seminar. How to work in divine productivity and abundance. Then you say that, ah, that weekend, I have an old boys meeting. So, I will listen to the tapes. So, I miss it. All right? And I listen to the tapes. Now, the tapes are good. I hope you get my point. After all, I never met the man Kenneth Higgins in my life. I listened to his messages again and again and again. I want to drop something for you quickly. There is something that will be dropped in that meeting you will miss. There are two reasons for it. Number one, there is an ambience in the place. Because I'm telling you, it's not letters. It's not just the words. It's the writing of the spirit we are dealing with. Secondly, this is the second part of it. You have demonstrated to God your priorities. And he's the one that issues our faith. I don't know what I got on this thing here. And that second one is possibly the most important one. You have demonstrated to him your priorities. <laughs> faith flows to the extent to which we demonstrate honor. 
is the amount of regard. Listen, I'm going to explain something to you. Paul says something to the Philippians. He said, I'm so happy that last you have rekindled your consent for me. He now says something there that I am not concerned about me receiving money. Please listen to me. I am concerned about you giving. I don't know whether you get my point. No, please follow me. Now, I'm not talking about money and offering. Now, I want to bring out an issue here. Paul said, I'm not rejoicing because now I see that I'm receiving money. He said, I'm rejoicing that these people have rekindled their concern for me. He said, why? I know that there's going to be credit to your account. Because I love you so much, I rejoice at that. That set me thinking for a long time. He now said, my God shall supply all your needs. I'm not talking about money and giving now. I want to bring out an issue here. Paul was looking at them and telling them that something will accrue to your account. And you know I don't believe that you go to God and go and pray. And Paul never taught it. You pray, say, God, I gave to Paul, you give me money back. I said, so what is God giving to them? You know what he was saying? He was saying to them, and if I'm applying it now, that these people have demonstrated a connection with this ministry work that I am doing. And for that reason, God must recognize it and pour something into their hearts. That's why he said in Philippians, in Hebrews chapter 6, he said, God is not unjust so as to forget your work. And the love that you have shown towards his name, in that you minister to the saints and you still do minister, that is the church of God matters to you, you have a heart that is open to receive faith. He said, you will not go the way of Hebrews chapter 5. Go and read it. He said, I've said all of these things. Some people backslide, they die, and all of that. They say, no, I am convinced of better things concerning you. Why? I see your dedication to the body of Christ. Faith flows where honor flows. I hope you're getting the point that I make here. That is, if you say to them, oh, ah, my old boy's meeting, you know, or my you is playing that time. Those are the ways by which people are going to go to hellfire. That is my you that are united. <laughs> Spiritually speaking, uh, faith speaking now. For that reason, I will go and watch Manchester United. Because I need to enjoy the game while it is live. If I watch it recorded, I know the number of goals. But I will listen to the messages on tape. But I will watch Manchester United live. You know what I have said to God? My entertainment is more important than my life. So he will not pour. Look, my emphasis is that faith is poured. Faith flows. Faith has to be connected. The sense of value, Bishop Oedipo used to say, your sense of value determines the flow of virtue. <laughs> it's not method. You can listen to the same tape, but God said you were not in the atmosphere. He said, but Pastor Banky, not everybody in the world can come to that atmosphere. God says, I know. But I'm not judging only the atmosphere. I'm judging also the kind of regard that people have for what I'm issuing forth. It is not what you hear by letters. It is the spirit that I pour. And if your heart is not open, exposed for that outpouring, you can't get it. And it's the amount of regard and honor you show towards that thing that determines whether it flows towards you or it doesn't. Let me end by talking about Elijah and Elisha again. Elijah, I've seen people come to me before and say, Sir, I want to pour water on your hands. What is the reason? Now, listen to me. Pentecostals, you have to be very careful. Sometimes with those spiritual things, we become like Jujumen. 
Let me call you Jumen. Simon the sorcerer. You want to give money to Peter so that spiritual gifts can come to you. Then you can easily come to what I have said so far and decided that, listen, Pastor Bangi too has preached it. I want to operate it. But one thing you can never deceive God with is because he sees the state of your heart, you can never use your actions to deceive him. He knows what is provoking what you are doing. Simon the sorcerer came and said, give me money. Uh, if you have ever watched um, AD, the Bible continues. I like the way they demonstrated that thing. The man came to Peter and said, there it is. All that I have, use it and spread the knowledge of truth. He said, all I want in return is just a drop of that power. And instantly, <laughs> Peter was going to rush the guy. <laughs> now, sometimes we Pentecostals, we do like that. Many of us are not evil-hearted like Simon the sorcerer, because Peter said he's still in the gall of bitterness. But we think we are doing right, but we are doing the wrong things. If you walk to a man of God and say, let me pour water on your hands so that anointing can flow from you to me. You have missed the point. No matter, if you like pour ocean on his hands, nothing is flowing from anywhere to anywhere. That is sorcery. That's witchcraft. I'm watching our time, so I don't want to start reading the scriptures. But you will see, when the Bible talks about Elisha, it says it was the same Elisha that poured water on the hands of Elijah. We look at Dasif. He worked for Elijah. So anointing moved. I want to say to you today, it was not just that. It was a side effect of the fact that the man was committed to that anointing. It was, that service. It wasn't the service. How do I say it? It was a connection. The example I used to give, because it was so beautiful, is that when, before Jediah married Israel, when they were planning to wed, when she would come to Enugu then, she used to stay in our house. So she and my wife used to spend a lot of time together. And most of, I still remember those days. I remember a particular day. I didn't have a wife that period because Jedediah married her. If you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> they will be downstairs. Me, I will go to the room. They will be there for hours. During that period, they are either cooking. They are either arranging the house. But the one I remember is that Jedediah was loosening my wife's hair or helping her plait the hair. And they will talk about this and talk about that and talk about this and talk about husband, you know, marriage, this, family, how do you do this, how do you do that, how do you do this. There's a very easy way to misinterpret it. If tomorrow now, as an example, you find the anointing of a wife, the type that my wife has on Jedediah, Israel's wife, somebody will say, that is the Jedediah that used to loosen her hair and follow her to cook, join her in cooking said there was transference by proximity and service. So if you want an anointing, <laughs> the truth is that was there service? Yes. Was there proximity? Yes. But one thing people often miss is that it was not just service and proximity. It was throughout that period there was a flow of spirit by words. Yeah. I don't know whether you're getting the point. Questions were going up and questions were coming down. If she served from now to tomorrow and those words were not exchanged, 
the anointing will not have moved. We are combining everything here. You are getting what I'm going to say here. Because I say Christians often get very mechanical. Now you now say that there's an ambience in the place of preaching. They will start going for every meeting. Meanwhile, they are not understanding what they are saying. They are not listening. Let them just be in the ambience. <laughs> Listen. All the words that Elijah spoke to Elisha, they prepared his heart to be able to receive the unction when he came. I hope you're getting my point. I want us to bear that in mind. There is something, uh, let me just say this again, the easiest way for faith to flow, all right, for you to receive faith, is for you to identify that when I listen to this man, this is a kind of unction that I discover. All right? Go spend your time, spend your money, and if possible, be in the presence and collect everything. Not be, listen, it's the word we are going after, not an individual. Again, let me quickly say that. This is where you find safety when you are following people. I said something earlier, the Bible itself is not life. Amen? Amen. Well, what is it? It's a description of the life that is in, in the man of God. Amen? In the man of God. In who? In Pastor Banke. In Kenneth Hagin. In G-O. The Bible is the, the map, the description of the life that is in whom? In Christ. People are only allowed to help you see Christ. If they make you put their photo on the wall, they have sent you into idolatry. If they make you use their name to pray, they have sent you into idolatry. If you have done a man of God's picture, your home with a man of God's picture, you have clearly, expressly broken at least three commandments and you don't know it. There was a reason why God specifically told them, one, don't make an image of what is in heaven. Two, don't, um, what do you call it, don't consecrate any image and say this is the image of God. There was a reason. What, what, what was the reason? God said, your worship must be, this is interesting part, I, I don't have time to teach it now, but God was saying to them, your worship must be a worship, not of idols, not of images, not of experiences, but of words. You shall worship my word. How do I know? He said to them, when you came on that mountain, did you see any form? They said, no. Did you see any image? image? No. He said, okay, so you cannot make any image, oh. When you came to that mountain, did you see the image of anything, angel of God? They said, no. Said, so you can't do anything. He said, what did you experience? They said, we heard words. What was he saying, therefore? Therefore, you shall worship the things you heard, which is the word of God. No wonder Jesus, the name that he was called in Revelation was what? The word of God. You can worship him. What, that's why when he wanted to tell them, carve things, the only thing they were allowed to carve was the words that he spoke. He said, they shall be frontlets on your head. They shall be on your doorpost. They can be everywhere. You can carve that one. God didn't mind. You can carve, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. He had, no, he had nothing against it. He spoke the word. So it was sent to them, in fact, don't worship an image. Worship everything I said. 
What am I going to say? A man forgot, I said something earlier, yes, anointing flows through people. That is the easiest way to tap the spirit of faith. But there's a check, there's a balance. And what is the check? The man has to be speaking the word alone, and it is what he said we are going after. Are you getting my point? It is not who he is. It is not who he is. That's why I'm, I love you from now to tomorrow. It has not crossed my mind to hang Ken Hagen's picture on my shirt in my car. But I can play his tape 24 hours. Many nights, my wife left him talking. From the time I went to sleep till maybe around 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. when I wake up, I, oh, you are still talking. Sorry, sir, we are asleep. Then you press pause. But his photograph, no. I won't worship him for anything. I like the way that, um, uh, uh, John G. Lake described John Alexander Dowie, a man who breathed faith into him. He said, to, he said, Dawi, before hard work turned his mentality. He, he respected the man. The man went crazy in the last days of his life with his funny doctrines. Dawi, G. Lake recognized and said, please forgive him. It was when too much work, he didn't let him think straight again. He stuck with the word of Christ that the man spoke. I hope you are getting my point here. We'll develop this further next time. Listen, yes, it is true. The easiest way to contact that spirit of faith, just look for somebody that God has breathed it through. And you hear him talk, read his materials, listen to his messages. If you love a word, you will hear it again and again. That is not what hearing and hearing means, but it's a manifestation that you are hearing and hearing. You will spend your money. You will forsake things that you thought were precious. The day God will know you are serious is one day you will tell your younger sister, I am sorry I can't attend your wedding. They will call family meeting that day, but you say sorry. It is clashing with something that I can't miss for anything. <laughs> God has a way of doing things. When he wants to pour a certain kind of grace upon you, he will make sure that is the day your father is being buried. Look, he could have had your father buried next week. But you will stand there. God will just be looking at you like this. <laughs> say, dear Lord, my whole family. You won't say a word. He said, I'm trying to decide who wants this thing. He said, I'm trying to decide who wants this thing. Something serious will be happening. The whole family, the village will gather. God will say, that is the day. Um, let, let me give an example. That is the day Lester Sumra is coming. The following week, he's going to die. You do not know. He wants to pour a grace into your life. And he said, who can carry this anointing to the next level? I want to multiply it. I don't want Lester Sumras, and just as an example, he died long ago. I, I, I don't want Lester Sumras to leave this earth, and this is not amplified. So he puts men on that test. He deliberately fixes your father's funeral for the only weekend the man is coming to Nigeria. And before that, he has prepared you with his books, his tapes, experiences, every, all kinds of things. And you look say, ah! What do I do? There are times you will quench your phone and say, it's a very horrible thing I'm about to do, but it is my destiny. Your mother will call you and won't find you. Just go there. And you sit down there. People, you'll be crying. They won't know why you're crying. They think it's anointing. It's not anointing. You know the cost at which you came here. You know the cost. And then you will preach. The man will finish preaching and preaching and preaching. And it's about to leave. God will just open the door. You'll just be near where he is. He doesn't know you. He'll just look at you. 
As a young man, the Lord bless you. Just put a hand upon your head and it goes. And in, the, in heaven, you may not feel anything. You might. But in heaven, just here, phew, the thing moves and is amplified. The man gets home next day, he sits down, lies on his bed, and he dies. It is when they tell you later, you will realize that I was the last person he touched on the head. Then the kind of faith that goes to Sambisa Forest comes to your soul. You won't know where it came from. Many men came there because they had nothing else to do. And the man was saying, receive, receive. Nothing went. I hope you are getting my point. This is how spiritual things flow. Next time, maybe I will talk more about it. About this Elijah, Elisha matter. And how we will be very careful when we are showing honor to God. Not a human being now, but to his word that he's presenting. Oftentimes through people. Let's bow down our heads. Let's go home. Let's just give the Lord thanks.